the first degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. The first degree. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life. Like losing a child is. That's the, I guess, <laughs> best way this story could be concluded, basically, is the worst thing in the world is to lose a child in all ways, shapes, and forms. Welcome to The First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Vanek. I'm sitting across from Alexis Linkletter and next to Billy Jensen. And before we get into the episode today, just a big reminder that we're going to be at Crime Con this year in Orlando. First week of May, we're doing our first live show ever. ever. So come see us. Yes. But Billy, what day is it today? It's National Awkward Moments Day. Oh, Whoa, that's yes. my day. <laughs> You feel seen, yes. That's I'm a, queen of those. You're it's, you're a pretty good awkward. I create moment, so many awkward moments for myself. You do, <laughs> but I will say, and this is possibly related. It's National Forgive Mom and Dad Day. For what? Mm. Oh, <laughs> are you, why are you guys looking at me? <laughs> I don't know. I love you, but mom a, and but, dad. But Alexis just reached for her phone right then. So. I'm texting my because parents. Because it's an awkward moment. Yeah. Them. Oh my! Love you, mom and dad. Just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's enough of that. So let's turn down the lights and turn up your anxiety. Because this could be you. In true crime, the story always seems to start like this. They had a perfect life, a loving family, a great home. Then we talk about how everything goes to hell. When parents seemingly do everything right, work long hours, raise their children in a supporting and loving household, and they're still punished. We have to try to make sense of it. That's why we mean it when we say at the top of every episode, this could be you. No matter how good of a person you are, no matter how hard you work and how much love you give, this could be you. And the setting for today's story is Boone's Mill, Virginia, which is part of Franklin County, which has long held the title, according to Wikipedia, as the moonshine capital of the world. Yeah. Yeehaw. Exactly. And it only has 250 people. Today's case brings us back to Thursday, January 21st of 2011. The top song on the radio was Grenade by Bruno Mars, and True Grit was in the theaters. And it was on this evening that the family members of 19-year-old Alexander Hernandez were becoming annoyed when he uncharacteristically missed family dinner that night. Alex had left his house that morning and said he was on his way to Taekwondo training in Roanoke, and he specifically told his mother that he would be back for dinner. So it was really strange that he was a no-show and hadn't called them to let them know that plans had changed. Right. And at first, everyone is thinking that this is a 19-year-old who flaked on dinner and that's it. Not so strange for a teenager to do such things. But after the sun set and the hours continued to pass, there was still no sign of Alex. And his parents were becoming increasingly alarmed. Alex had mentioned to his dad that he may stop at Walmart to run some errands. So his father, Tim, drove up to the town Walmart to see if there was any sign of Alex there. And when he arrived, he scanned the parking lot and zeroed in on a late 80s dark blue Pontiac Firebird. It was his son's car. Inside the vehicle, Alex's father could see that his keys and cell phone were still locked inside the car. What wasn't in the car was the tan duffel bag that Alex always brought with him to teach his Taekwondo classes. Right. And in this tan duffel bag, he kept a change of clothes for after the workout. So what did this absence of this bag from the car mean? Where was Alex? And was this simply a case of a teenager just not being where they were supposed to be? Or was there really cause for concern? No one knew at this point. Alex's parents waited for him to make contact overnight. And when they didn't hear from him that morning, they decided to report him missing. So Alex's family was becoming concerned and they were trying to spearhead the word of his disappearance throughout the community. 
but the police seemed less worried. The local sheriff told the media that while Vanishing was not in Alex's character, they didn't believe that foul play was involved. But Alex's family was certain that something was wrong. It was just in their gut. He was not a problem teenager, and just a year earlier in high school, Alex was a member of the junior ROTC and drill team. Yeah, and ROTC is the Reserve Officer Training Corps, and it's a program in the U.S. to uh, have people on college campuses to prepare for, uh, to become officers. The junior ROTC or ROTC is, is sort of like to get them kind of like the junior, whatever, get that's them kind of prepared for that. And that's what they were in high school. Yes. This is what Alex and all his friends did. Yeah. And it's meant to recruit and educate commissioned officers. So obviously if he's doing something like ROTC, he's a very like regimented, disciplined, disciplined teenager. So. And also, you know, third degree, you know, black belt and Taekwondo. Yeah. Right. And he used all these skills that he had learned to train others in self-defense. Alex still lived at home and he was close with his family and generally did what he said he was going to do. And like we said, he was a disciplined person. So this is very out of character. Yeah. And he was also the kind of person he went to church every Sunday. He was just like that guy, like very close with his family and dialed in with them. So this situation was no doubt perplexing and the questions are glaring. This is a man who, as Billy just said, was versed in third degree black belt in Taekwondo. He, you know, isn't going to be easily overpowered. And he certainly knew how to protect himself. So the questions were, where could he be? Could he be off with a girl somewhere? Could he be partying with a group of friends? Even if those possibilities carried weight, why would he leave his car and cell phone behind if that was the case? Nothing about the situation was adding up. So the police started probing Alex's friends about anything they could, hoping that it could help shed light on what happened to this missing teen. And they also requested Alex's cell phone records and surveillance from the Walmart parking lot in the meantime. Yeah, one of the first people that they spoke with was Alex's best friend from high school, Tommy Green. And Alex and Tommy were two type of kids that they, you would rarely see one without the other. They were that close. They were best friends. And Alex's cell phone had revealed that he and Tommy had actually exchanged three calls earlier in the day that he had gone missing, that Alex had gone missing, which was not out of the order. It makes sense because they were super close. When the police link up with Tommy, he was at the home of his girlfriend, Sammy's family. And they talk to Tommy. He tells police that he had no idea where Alex was. And he said that he and Alex had actually bumped into each other in the electronics section at Walmart at around 1.45 on the day that Alex vanished. And Tommy said that after he met up with Alex and they, they sort of, you know, uh, just, just met, you know, by accident at that store, the two friends chatted for about five minutes before Tommy left to meet up with his girlfriend, Sammy. And then they went to hang out at her grandparents' house. The police went on their way and told Tommy to contact them if he heard anything from Alex. And while this is all happening, Alex's parents believed that something was wrong. And by now it was the 22nd and Alex had been missing for three whole days. Alex's parents were more convinced than ever that their son was not missing on his own free will. And they didn't believe that he was doing anything reckless or irresponsible like partying. Alex was enrolled in classes at Virginia Western Community College and was waiting for acceptance letters from Virginia Military Institute and the United States Military Academy at West Point, New York. He was a super... Diligent, bright, military, very, very committed to wanting to be like, have a military career. Yeah. And getting into West Point's incredibly hard. So difficult. Mm -hmm. So he had a really bright future he was looking forward to and wouldn't blow it all for the sake of going on some kind of a bender. So it's at this point in our story that we're going to introduce our first degree, Megan, but we're not going to tell you how she's connected to the story quite yet. I think I remember hearing something about... I know that there was an article or a news story out that um, a teen was missing, and then I thought it was his name, and I thought it was, you know, I knew the name. I didn't really think much of it. Missing persons flyers depicting Alex started circulating online, and these posts were shared thousands of times. On the poster was a picture of Alex as well as a physical description. He's white with a shaved head, brown hair, brown eyes. He's 5'8 and weighed about 160 pounds. And by now, a full-blown investigation was ensuing. And police were studying the surveillance 
footage from the Walmart parking lot to see if anything in view could provide a clue as to what happened to Alex. So as they're watching, they see Alex and his friend Tommy, just as Tommy had told them when he was questioned. Everything appeared consistent. That was until the two friends reached the parking lot. Both of them actually got into Tommy's car and they left together. So this is strange. This is conflicting against what Tommy had told the police during his initial questioning. But maybe there's a simple explanation. Maybe Tommy was covering for his friend. Maybe Alex was on his way to somewhere to do something to meet someone that he wasn't supposed to do. And Tommy's worried that if he tells the truth, he's getting Alex in trouble, whether that be for his military career. Maybe he has a strict parents, but either way, Tommy wasn't straight with them in that initial interview and they needed to talk to him right away to clear things up. Yeah. So they needed to talk to him. And during a three hour interview, they start to talk to Tommy again about that afternoon. And they confront him with the discrepancies from his first interview and how his story isn't aligning with the surveillance from Walmart. And police start to notice Tommy's story transform. And as it transforms, his next version of the events was that after he ran into Alex, he said he gave him a ride to the nearby Glade Hill Minute Market to meet a girl. And police pressed Tommy for details about this girl. Who is she? What does she look like? But Tommy knows little about her. And in the meantime, police looked into Tommy Green's background. This is Alex's best friend. So what reason could he have been lying to them? And it turns out that Tommy's father was a police officer at the Roanoke County Police Department. And Tommy had even worked at the police department as an entry-level communications officer under his dad. He answered dispatch calls that came into the county's E911 center. Tommy had zero criminal record and he had also been a good student. So what could be going on? And beyond that, he was in the ROTC with Alex and was just like a same same kind of kid, good yeah. kid. So please have questions they need answered. So they meet with Tommy a second time. So at this point, Tommy's still in his second questioning and please continue to press him about the day that his best friend Alex went missing. And then finally, Tommy's story abruptly changed once more. This time, he said that after Walmart, the two friends went target shooting together at a rural property where Tommy was house-sitting. And it was after that that an argument ensued. Then this argument turned physical, and Tommy said that Alex had punched him. Then as Alex was walking away, Tommy shot him in the back with a 40 caliber semi-automatic pistol. We do have a heartbreaking end to the search for a missing 19-year-old from our area. The Franklin County Sheriff's Office confirmed this morning that Alexander Hernandez was found dead and that they have a murder suspect in custody. We now have a better understanding of what happened to Alexander Hernandez after he went missing on Thursday. Tragic news today. The body of Alexander Charles Hernandez of Medina was found early this morning. Green admitted picking up Hernandez at the Walmart, driving to his friend's residence in Snow Creek, where Green then shot Hernandez several times. Green also told investigators where he had hidden the body. When Alex fell to the ground after being shot by his best friend, he asked Tommy why. And Tommy replied, this is for my dead son. And after the shooting occurred, Tommy left his best friend's body there and left the house. So we know what you're thinking. What is Tommy talking about? And that's a great question because this is where our story of two best friends takes a bizarre turn. And here to help us walk us through all of this is Megan, who is actually Tommy's sister. Okay. I remember that <laughs> like it was yesterday. Um, it was really, it was probably closer to midnight. It was really late at night. I was getting ready to get into bed and my sister called me and she was really, she wasn't crying, but she, you could tell something was wrong. She kind of explained that Tommy was in custody and what they had him for. <laughs> and we were both just in shock. But I talked to my mom the next day and it was true. It, they had him um, in custody and they um, 
for the murder of Alex. It just, I don't know, I think my life changed at that point. I think everyone's did. This is not something anyone in the Green family would have or could have seen coming. I couldn't see my brother being that person. I, I didn't want to believe that he did it. I guess in my in my head, I really thought I had to put reality ahead of my, my heart. And it, it was pretty much obvious that that's what, you know, it was Tommy who did it. We were a really normal family. We were a family of five. Um, my dad was a Renner County police officer. My mom was a nurse. And we were a super tight, happy family. We, I remember it was just after Christmas. We celebrated at my grandmother's house like normal. Um, it was, I just, I really think back to that day in particular and just remember how happy we, everyone was. So it's at this point in our story that we have to remember there are two families in the throes of despair with the news of this homicide. Of course, first and foremost, Alex's family is dealing with their worst nightmare, losing their child to gun violence. But there's also Tommy's family, two parents with careers dedicated to helping and serving others. They're facing their worst nightmare too. Their son, their beloved son, murdered his best friend out of the blue. So just try to put yourself in Megan's shoes for a second. Imagine the shock and devastation of learning that your brother, who has never been in trouble with the law before, never been violent, has no stains on his record at all, suddenly and seemingly out of nowhere, kills his best friend and then is confessing to it. Try to understand how you would feel learning this information about a family member who you're very close to. It's earth shattering. Back to the investigation. Tommy's in the interrogation room. What is he saying? As Tommy is sitting in the interrogation room, he walks the police through a scenario that happened about a year prior. And he tells them about when he found out that his girlfriend, Sammy, was pregnant. Well, we knew about her pregnancy um, about a year before this happened. And to me back then, even, even that seemed fake. I don't think she ever was pregnant. And I think she was testing my brother's loyalty to her, maybe, when she said she was pregnant. She was just trying to make sure that he was in it as much as she was. And of course he was. He, he was in love with her. <laughs> and he told the police that as Alex was roughhousing with Sammy, Alex supposedly punched Sammy in the stomach, which caused her to miscarry. I guess the previous year, Tommy and Sammy, from what I understood, knew that they were pregnant and they hadn't told anybody yet, not even families. Um, Alex and Sammy were friends. They just, you know, roughhousing or whatever. And I think this was also something Sammy told Tommy so she could get out of the pregnancy story. But she says that Alex roughhoused with her and punched her in the stomach in some capacity. And that's how she lost her baby. And that was all about a year before this happened. So Tommy was mad about it. He, of course, was really hurt. And I remember coming over to my parents' house and we had a long conversation about loss and I was trying to help him through that because at that point we all thought, you know, he had lost a baby. So whether or not this loss of a baby is real as far as the pregnancy was a real pregnancy or not doesn't really matter because to Tommy, it was real. He believed that his girlfriend was pregnant and he was very sad when he found out about the miscarriage. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was really excited when he thought that it was going to happen. <laughs> he, he wanted that normal life for him and he just seemed like he wanted to be that normal guy with a cool job and a family. And it was right around that same time where the miscarriage allegedly occurred that Tommy was dealt another pretty crushing blow. You see, Tommy had dreams of joining the army. That's why he was in ROTC. That's why he was helping his dad at work. He, he liked law enforcement and he liked the military service. And his plan after high school was always to go into the military. He, was, he and I are both diabetic and he was pretty devastated when he couldn't go into the army because of that. 
um, that was kind of, he always wanted to protect and serve in, in any way he could. And he was really, as a little kid, really interested in joining the army and being some kind of hero or whatever. That's, that was his dream. And he couldn't, obviously, because of diabetes. And so he, that and maybe, you know, the fact that he knowingly couldn't do what he wanted to do and going to the army, like he thought that all the way <laughs> until he realized, like, I guess our doctor made mention when he went for a checkup, like, oh, so, you know, you're about to graduate in a couple of years. What, what are your thoughts? What do you want to do? And then that's when they had the conversation about, well, the army won't take you because of your diabetes. And I think that really put some weight on his mind. So to be clear, Megan and her family in hindsight now think that the story about the pregnancy was a lie that Sammy told. And also this story about how this miscarriage occurred was also a lie to get her out of the first lie. But as far as our opinion on this, the first degrees opinion, we don't know. We weren't there and we don't know Sammy. Another thing to remember is that this alleged miscarriage happened a year prior to Alex's murder. So obviously, Alex and Tommy made up. Tommy forgave him, even though he believed this to be true. And their friendship continued, and Tommy's relationship with Sammy continued, and all three of them were very good friends. Now, one thing we found interesting is when we were researching this case, there's a lot of talk about this incident that caused this alleged miscarriage, but there was very little information about it in the reporting or in any of the court coverage. So I did some digging and there was a Reddit post that I found and it was written by somebody who had gone to high school with Alex and with Tommy and with Sammy. So he basically was ranting about the entire thing. And what he ended with was, I heard from people that knew all of them, that Alex and Tommy's girlfriend were play wrestling and that the whole incident with her being hit in the stomach was a huge, huge accident. So that's really all I can find about this alleged stomach punch that caused this alleged miscarriage. And the news in this case was very selective about what details they chose to include in articles and in the coverage about this case. The news reported that Tommy said that, quote, he'd been bothered by the supposed incident with the girlfriend and had dreams about hurting Alex. Came to some sort of peace about it, too. I don't think he ever, they kept saying this was premeditated. I don't believe that at all. And they were both out in the woods shooting guns, as country boys do. From what I understand, from what my mom's told me that my brother has said, that there was some kind of um, argument between him and Alex. And what my mom has said, basically, Alex really pissed my brother off. He's, he, they started talking about the pregnancy and then Alex kind of said that he did my brother a favor and that he had had something in the past happen. And he kind of asked the girl to get rid of it. <laughs> and I guess an argument started and that's when the horrible thing happened. I don't think it was a, Tommy was, you know, knowing that he was going to go out in the woods and do that to him that day. I don't think that at all. And where does Tommy's girlfriend, Sammy, fit into all of this? I do know that they were all in the um, junior ROTC together. I don't know if Alex and her name was Sammy ever had any kind of relationship. But I know that she and my brother had been dating for a good long time. Um, I guess as far as high school goes. I want to say at least two years at that point. She was always a little off. Her family was a little strange, but my brother was always over there helping them. They, they were farmers, if I remember correctly. And I guess after this, when they started investigating, they had her take a, a some kind of test to see if she had been pregnant within the last year, and it came back inconclusive. Was obsessed her, her, strange, her strangeness knows no bounds still to this day. I think like I talked about, I talked earlier about her family's farm. Her, her mom is, I don't, I don't think I ever met her, her father, but her mom struck me as very odd. Um, they kind of lived life off the grid. So Tommy would come home from their farm and tell us stories about 
how they would mutilate chickens in order to, to eat that night or however they did it. It was just very inhumane how they treated their livestock and whatever they had, and it just didn't make any sense to me. And it started to seem like Tommy was, I don't know, like Sammy had this weird pool over him. And because a a normal person would probably think, well, that's a little odd. I should maybe step away and not help them with that. But I don't know. Her family was a little cuckoo. During Tommy's confession, he told the police where to find Alex's body. And he had also moved it once to better conceal the remains. This heavily wooded area you see behind me is where Alex Hernandez's body was found to be shot multiple times. And police say they have recovered a weapon, but it will take a few days to find out if that was the weapon used to kill Alex. Green appeared in Franklin County Court Tuesday morning and was charged with first-degree murder. Meanwhile, investigators remained at the scene of the crime and say they have no reason to believe others were involved. The Green's family is very respected in the Boone's Mill community, and Hernandez was, a, a, I know, an honor student and uh, had already received a letter to acceptance into VMI and was in the process of trying to get an appointment to uh, West Point. Sheriff Hunt and others stated these were two very close friends. Both were in ROTC together in high school and that this news was tragic for both parties. Police went to the location and found Alex's body that was taken in for an autopsy. The police also recovered shell casings at the crime scene and other evidence inside the home where Tommy had been house-sitting for a friend. They found an AK-47 style rifle and a security box, and inside the security box, they discovered Alex's wallet and car keys. There were also two guns, bamboo martial arts training sticks, and a walking stick, all identified as Alex's, that were found in the home. The 45 caliber Tommy said he used was found at the home of his girlfriend's grandparents. So Tommy was arrested and charged with first degree murder and using a firearm in the commission of a murder. He was held without bond at the county jail and later a robbery charge was added to the indictment. Now that's important because that pushed the crime into the category of capital murder. But according to Megan, her brother didn't rob Alex. He just moved everything inside the house. But that was enough for them to charge him with the robbery charge. Yes. And the news picked up the story, of course, and they had been following this story the entire time. But we have to realize, you know, we've learned already that Tommy's father was a Roanoke police officer. So the news spreading about this really impacted the family very greatly. That really... That was hard to watch, I think, just because my dad was very proud of what he did. And I actually was able to work with him for a little while um, before he retired. I could tell that he really, really cared for what he did. And that, at that point, after um, hearing the news and the news even putting my dad's face it plastered my my dad's face on the news. It just, it really broke my heart for him because I know that he didn't deserve that. <laughs> it, there was no point in that. It was terrible. My poor mom, <laughs> she is the best mom. And she, I think, put all of her energy into making sure that my sister and I were okay. It was definitely the worst. On, it still is the worst on my mom. It's been almost 10 years and she just can't find peace with it at all. So everyone was wondering how something like this could happen between two seemingly best friends. Friends of both Alex and Tommy told the media, quote, we are all really close. We are like family. That's what hurts us all the most. There were no signs that something like this would ever happen. Another friend said, every single time I turned around when Alex was there, Tommy was right beside him. And that was said by Lorena Garcia, who was 18 years old, that was in ROTC with the two boys. She said, it upsets me because what kind of friends could do that to each other? It all comes back to Sammy. He never would have done anything like that himself. I think he at least had to be persuaded 
and her, you know, bringing up the pregnancy that I don't, again, I don't think it ever happened is a big red flag to me. Tommy pled guilty and was sentenced to life in prison without parole for the murder. 50 years for the robbery and three years for a firearms violation. And Sammy attended the sentencing, but she wasn't there to support Tommy's family in any way. The, the sentencing, um, the, we see her coming out of the, uh, the prosecutor's office right before everything happens. And she doesn't look at us, doesn't come over and, you know, hang out with the family. She, she just kind of walked away and we all thought that was a little strange. So I'm sure that she found some kind of deal herself so she she wasn't even looked at. And I'm sure my brother was happy to oblige and help keep her safe. It's been like pulling teeth to try and get any information as far as as she goes out of him. I, I think he she's still his first love and he's never going to give that up. That's the only thing he has to think about other than what he's done to ruin everything, to ruin all of it. And I think she really, she was there. I think she pushed him in the right, in, you know, that direction. And then, of course, as soon as he's sentenced, she drops off the face of the earth and, and doesn't want anything to do with him. But before that, she said, you know, we can have a jailhouse wedding. It'll still be okay. She was basically trying to get him through his sentencing and, and everything that was going to happen so she could move on with her life. We asked Megan what it is about the situation with Sammy that upsets her and her family the most. She shouldn't have been the rat that she was. And I don't mean that in like informant way or anything like that. Just truly a horrible, she did everything wrong. Like she, she really ruined my brother's life. I mean, he did that pretty well on his own, but she helped in that. I 100% believe that he never would have done this to his friend if it wasn't for her. I I mean, I think it was, I think Sammy was there when it all happened and he was protecting her. He really, really, really loved her. He, she was his first love. My mom found found her on Facebook. She's been remarried and and has her own family now. I think she has two kids. We all think that Sammy has something to do with it, and she's just mad that Sammy got away with it, and she is living what was supposed to be her and Tommy's life. We asked Megan if Tommy feels remorse for what he did. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, he, he, He knows that he's ruined everyone's life and he knows that he belongs where he is. And what is Megan's theory about why this happened? How this happened? I think he was just trying to keep in his mind, the family that he had, like he, he thought that his son had died. He kept saying son. I don't even think, of course there was no way to know that, but in his mind, he created this whole family and him, and Sammy being together and it just never, it was never going to be. I think my brother had this whole thing in his mind that he had this family that he had to protect. And in honesty, he had nothing of the sort. (laughs) And there's no doubt all of this has taken a toll. Like losing a child is, that's the, I guess, (laughs) best way this story to be, concluded basically is the worst thing in the world is to lose a child in all ways, shapes, and forms. Well, it's, it's more than just him. It's my sister, too. After all this happened, I'm not going to mention her name, but um, she didn't want anything to do with the family. I don't know what happened, really, to be honest. She won't even talk to us long enough to give us that information. She just doesn't want... I think she's embarrassed about what happened, I don't really know. She just doesn't want to be connected with that part, that horrible thing. So Christmases and and holidays in general are tough because coming, being the oldest sister of three, 
you know, you have all these memories of decorating a Christmas tree together and cookies and, you know, making cookies and celebrating and doing all these things, mundane things that everyone does. And now I don't have that anymore. And it's, it's really hard. It's tough to have basically cut your family in half. And then, of course, there's Alex's family. My mom, I think she really wanted to try and reach out, and and she feels horrible. And I think she even sent a a card or something, but, I mean, what's a card going to do, really, when your son is gone? And I think my, my family... The rest of us kind of said, maybe not. And if they reach out, that's great, but we should probably just leave them be. So that's what we've done. I don't think they want to hear from us. But Megan and her family had seen Alex's family at some of these court proceedings. They were up front. And I did see, I mean, I saw back of heads. I never met them myself. Everyone was just very upset and crying that day. So we we just kind of stayed, kept our distance. At the time of Alex's murder, he was waiting to hear if he'd been appointed to West Point. After his death, he was made an honorary member of the class of 2015. He was buried in a cadet uniform and his mother was presented the flag at his burial. Alex was on his way to fulfilling his dreams. And these were dreams that his parents had for him too. And so many questions remain about why his dreams were never able to come to fruition. And everybody's got these questions. Tommy's family, Alex's family, all of our listeners now, sometimes there's just no explanation for how and why these things happen. And of course, there's a lot of mystery here. What role did Sammy play in this? Was it illegal or was it merely an emotional sort of manipulation that she never even expected to go this far. We'll never know. But what we do know is that Tommy is serving a life sentence. His family is also serving a life sentence. Alex has been killed and his family is serving a life sentence. There's a lot of pain that ripples off of one violent act. I had friends that were perfect in high school that wanted to go into West Point. It is so difficult to get into West Point. Mm -hmm. You have to be pretty darn near perfect. Pristine. Yeah. And, you know, you've got to get a letter from a congressman in order to go to, you know, it's it's a thing to to do that. It's a big deal. And this guy, this victim that we're talking about, from everybody that we've heard from was that guy, you know, and to have this happen to him is just, it's just, it's sad. Bottom line, it's just sad. It is sad. And I think, I think what we've gleaned from this talking to Megan, it's like, you can do everything right. And everybody looks at, at motive. Motive means an opportunity, right? Yeah. Is when you're looking at a crime. And it, I think here it's, it's fascinating because Alex and Tommy were best friends and Tommy had no criminal record and no history of violence, never exhibited any strange behavior, anything. It had two present parents, both who had jobs that the goal was to help others. Help people. Yeah. Yeah. And he showed an interest. He was working as a dispatcher. And, you know, one of the things uh, that the newspaper brings up a lot is that so when Tommy want Tommy also wanted to go into the military just like Alex, but he was diabetic. So he couldn't he couldn't do it. And of course, so the media clung to this as a reason why Tommy would have wanted to kill Alex and really kind of exploited that little detail. Um, but Megan said there was no truth to that. I mean, Tommy was very excited for Alex, Alex's future. He was being supportive of his best friend. So it's just the why in this case is overwhelming. There's no reasonable explanation for this. Well, and I think, you know, we're, it's, we're always trying to put 
order to chaos and true crime. And sometimes something is just seemingly senseless and you don't really know the actual true motive. And imagine how hard that is for Megan's family and Tommy's family, where it's like, you're trying to understand how this happened to your perfect family. I mean, they're a family of five. They were so close. They were loving two good influence parents and this happened. And mm-hmm. imagine trying to make sense of that when you've done everything right. Yeah. Yeah. And they were dragged through the mud and they didn't deserve that. And I think one of the big sort of themes of this story is just like the compassion that we have for victims' families, we should also have for perpetrators' families. That's true. Yeah. Because they have no control. And most of the time they have nothing to do with oh the crime that happened. Yeah. And they that day changed their lives too. And according to Megan, her mother is still plagued by this every single day. My poor mom just suffers every day. She's, she's the most caring person this planet has ever witnessed. And she, again, wanted to reach out to Alex's family and wanted to reach out to everybody and just, you know, like wanted to give everyone hugs. See, it's, it's really upsetting to see how this has treated her. It's just, she, she's a, I, w- I don't want to say, I don't want to make it sound like she's obsessed, but she kind of is with, with this case and she wants to get it appealed. And I kind of tell her that, well, I mean, Tommy does deserve to be where he is. You need to remember that <laughs> it happened. And, uh, you know, I'm never trying to then to defend my brother's actions. Um, well, I mean, what he did was horrible. It's just horrible that also that two families' lives are ruined, including my own. Megan said, you know, my mom's clinging to this hope of, of the mom just wanted to hug him one more time. Like after the arrest, you don't realize it's like even the indictment, you can't touch the person. So she says something at some point, she's like, hold your kids close, whether they're going to be it's just scary thinking that like this is this one guy's one decision he's ever made. That was, it was a horrible decision, but it was, he's never committed a crime, even like a petty larceny before. And this, he never got to like hug his mom again. It's just feel for the the family, you know, it's devastating. Yeah, of course. But on that same token, Oh, Alex's parents Yeah, Uh, yeah. can't imagine that they're, you know what? Because he didn't make that choice. You know? Yeah. He was just doing his thing. He was doing everything right. He was doing everything right. And yeah. still your life could be taken from you in a second. Yeah. I want to get the real story out there because I've read some of, especially when, you know, the first few days after they arrested him, the the news just put out whatever they wanted to. And it was all just ridiculous. And it, none of it made any sense. And all they wanted to do was portray a killer. And he wasn't a loner, like I said before. And that's what they kept trying to say was he liked, he was a loner who liked to shoot stuff. That's literally, <laughs> I believe somebody said that in the paper. Just, it, you can't always trust what the media says. And it's ter- especially the day after they're just trying to throw a story together about what happened and every fact almost every fact except for what they know in the the document is totally wrong. They just trash a family, trash my brother's name. I mean, rightfully so, I understand. But when it's not true, then just don't put it in in your story. It's, It's not just one family suffering. I think that's the main thing I want people to come away with is, when things like this happen, it's a hundred percent not just one sided. It's you hurt so many people when you hurt one person, you know? It's there were two families affected for sure. And I think another thing we should talk about too is is the media in cases like this, where media does its purpose in the straightforward reporting. But when Megan told me that a neighboring police force, which is where their father was working. It was Roanoke police department. They were putting him on TV to be like this person's son, whatever. And it's like, come on, come on. Like you're going to drag this like 
dedicated police officer through the mud because I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Is that justified? Is that, I mean, you know, as a member of the news media, uh, or a former member of the news media, yeah, you're always going to do that. You're going to, the first thing that you do, especially when you're a, uh, a daily newspaper you're gonna, or a, uh, or a TV station, you're going to find out who that person, if you've got a perp, who that person is related to, you know, if it's a politician, you know, that becomes a bigger story. You know, but doesn't that make you hearing a situation? Listen, I I get that you're saying as a journalist, that's what you do. But hearing things like this, doesn't that make you question that? Like, I get it's just a fact. You're not being a dick. You're not twisting the facts. But this guy worked his whole life to be a good police officer. His adult son does something, and then suddenly, yeah, suddenly their lives are ruined Mm -hmm. and that's justified. I don't agree. Yeah. Their lives are already ruined enough as is just because of the situation itself. Situation itself. I just also think if you're Alex's family looking at that, that way, it's like, well, your son didn't die. So, I mean, it's terrible. There are just so many victims that are in the wake of just a single violent crime. And I think this is a good example of that where we rarely have a first degree who is, so close to a perpetrator and Megan, you know, the opening line to her email was my brother killed his best friend over a girl. And she is not in denial about it. And she's like, I'm doing this for my mother. She's like, it's ruined my family. And she said, you know, Tommy knows he's ruined all of our lives. I mean, this is just the truth. And they, it's the most, uh, refreshing is not the word, but sobering and honest uh, look at this situation that I think is worth sharing. And it is so complex because there's no part of us who wants to offend anyone mourning a true victim, which Alex is. And, you know, clearly he's the victim and that he needs to remain the focus. But and while Alex needs to remain the focus, it's very easy to have compassion for Megan and her family in this situation. Megan, we can't thank you enough for being vulnerable enough to share this story. I know this whole ordeal has caused you and your family and continues to cause you and your family a great deal of pain. And I think a story like this is a huge benefit to our listeners because it offers a glimpse into the lives of a perpetrator's family and displays how these crimes not only hurt, obviously, the victims and their families, You hurt yourself by committing violent crimes and you hurt your family who clearly Megan and her family sound like wonderful people and they didn't deserve to have their family fractured in this way. Huge thank you to Megan for being our first degree guest this week. If you have a story you'd like to tell, please email us. Hello at the first degree podcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at the first degree at Alexis Linkletter at Billy Jensen at Jack Vanek. Go check out our merch site on our website and join our Facebook group. Just search at the first degree in your search box and we will pop up and talk about a lot of true crime stuff and stick around because we're going to kill some time. And remember, only you can prevent serial killers and keep your friends close. But not that close. Happy Awkward Moments Day. It's so awkward. So awkward. Bye. Sources for today's episode include the Roanoke Times, the Franklin News Post, News Advance, Bedford Bulletin, WSET, court documents, and as always, our first degree guest is always our largest source. All right, welcome to Killing Time. We just stuffed our faces with McDonald's food and are feeling quite great. glorious. Glorious. Yeah. Honestly, our order was surreal. It was surreal. I'm like, do I, do I say I feel good or terrible or somewhere in between? Yeah. I feel proud that we ate so much of it because we really thought we were over ordering. I know, mm-hmm. but we did not. And now no, it's all just sitting all, in my stomach. It's all gone right now, like a big rock. Um, Should we say what we got? <laughs> We got, I'll do it. <laughs> we got two 10 piece chicken nuggets. We got a Big Mac. We got a buttermilk crispy chicken sandwich and we got a cheeseburger. And, and we finished it two all. Two fries. And two fries. And Jack got a Coke. 
There is nothing quite like a McDonald's Coke. I have to say it hits differently. It tastes. No, no. People have said it has magical powers to relieve you of your hangover. I've heard that before. Really? Yeah. I can see it's that. It's probably the nuggets and the chicken tendies. It's all the fries and, all the, and, the, the, and, the, and the salt. Yeah. And, and then the beers that I drank with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for this uh, episode of Killing Time, I actually found a great... Uh, article on thoughtcatalog.com. We're going to take some random questions. I love that. You ready? Yeah. Randos. First question. If you were God, what songs would be playing in heaven and what songs would be playing in hell? I'll go first. Okay. <clears throat> in heaven, it would be once I oh was gosh, seven fuck. years old, my mama t- <laughs> Lucas Graham, seven years old, would be the song in heaven. Okay. And then I think the hell song would be something like definitely Smash Mouth. Are you kidding me? Or All Star is the best song of no, all time. Do you just think of the nineties? You think you're just stuck in sh- the Shrek movie? No, I don't think about Shrek at all. It, I do. It existed way before or, Shrek. Or like pour some sugar on me, like cheesy yeah, classic rock, like would be shitty poison. Pour some sugar on me would be horrible. <laughs> Living on a prayer would be great. That's a heaven one. Pour some that sugar on me would be one. a hell one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. Or like okay. uh, Jesse's girl, heaven. Uh-huh. Uh mm-hmm. Hell would be. It's like shit. It's just like all poison songs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a fine line. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to go with probably Heroes or How Soon Is Now. By who? Up, up top. <laughs> Heroes by David Bowie. How Soon Is Now by the Smiths. Okay. How going Soon Is Now is great. Going down low. And then we're talking about anything by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're a hater. I am Red Chili Peppers are so catchy. You know what? No. I hate Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I can't remember if I have seen them at Coachella or not to actually say this but i feel like they'd be really good live like they'd they'd be a good concert to go to i've been i've been to two of their concerts and i didn't pay attention to either of them i'm just not a big red hot chili pepper nobody really is um my heaven song would be bohemian rhapsody playing Mm -hmm. on repeat Mm -hmm. and then my hell would be the theme song of friends okay that's fair (laughs) or maybe my heaven would be the theme song of seinfeld Mm, not good enough to listen to on repeat no that's why bohemian rhapsody is good okay second question um if you had to get a tattoo right now gun to your head what would it be and where on your body i almost did this on sunday with jared we almost got oh, the yeah. boats that you your dad drew yeah the friendships dad i know you're listening there my dad made this incredible pen and ink like surrealist surrealism painting mm-hmm in college and he just found it and rehung it in my parents um house and it has it's all this like weird crazy shit and then in the corner there's this upside down little sailboat mm. that jared's obsessed with and so him and alexis were gonna get it as a friend i texted t- him tattoo i, I was like should i do this and he's like yeah, yeah do it yeah. i was like i should do it but then jared had to wait too long and the, the momentum waned yeah momentum waned. <laughs> it really, you the know, momentum waned aka well, like, we got try, a little bit more we're sober like, jared, we all got we all got piercings this weekend yeah but oh we should talk about that next but we were all gonna we were all brunch we're like let's get tattoos let's get piercings let's go do this all the girls got piercings by the time it was jared's turn he's like nah the the moment's passed yeah you know (laughs) when you're gonna get uh in the moment piercing or tattoo you got you have a little time crunch on there and if you don't get it in that little bit of a a moment then no you had to wait an hour and then he's like ah i lost steam and we had been drinking so it's like yeah Yeah, and then it's it's no fun it was so fun what would you get I would get portraits of both uh, Jack and Alexis. Damn That's right, on your face on my on my face. Yeah, <laughs> where would you get it? What <laughs> part bo- of your body? Both, both cheeks. That's right. What part of your body? Your arm? M- no, no. You're not going to get on your face, Billy. This is supposed to be real. Oh, it's supposed to be real. Yeah, I would get on my back, definitely. Yeah. Okay. That's because yeah. we're always watching your back. Exactly. Oh. oh. What would you um, get? I don't know. A pug. So- Beth, mm. my favorite dog. No, my I had a rule. My parents gave me two rules growing up. One rule was don't drink and drive, and the other rule was no tattoos. So in my entire wow. life, I've never even thought of the option of getting a tattoo because I respect my parents' opinion so much. You probably get something from your, that your dad painted, though. yeah, or like a handwriting thing. But my parents would never. I would. I would be thing. gone. Goner. Never allow such a thing. Right. Wow. No drink and drive. Which which my dad gave me as well, but. My dad also didn't say no tattoos. He said stuff like no hard drugs and no smoking cigarettes. See, the thing is, thing. my parents knew I was such a good kid that they didn't they even didn't have, have to go, give me that rule. They didn't role. have to go for that. Yeah. No. It's nice that your parents gave you rules because nobody loves me. So. 
Okay. Right. Just kidding. I had, I love you. I had one rule. Thank you. I wasn't allowed to watch Cat Dog or Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> I, dude, I felt so fucking cool when I was younger because my parents did let me watch Ren and Stimpy, and I remember it was like it was a Friday night Nickelodeon eight p.m. late night thing. Ren and Stimpy it's was dirty dark and dirty. Oh my god! There was this clip that I saw from it recently where I think Ren was sawing something, but Stimpy was in front of him, and the way that they were doing it looked like he was fucking him in the ass yes <laughs> well cat dog was fucked up like that too that's the thing cat dog doesn't overtly seem fucked up until you watch it older as an adult and you're older and i think my mom watches like you can't watch ren and stepping you can't watch cat dog wow. I, I was once at a uh, at a party with the guy that wrote the cat dog theme song and apparently the cat dog theme song. I can't recall it. What is it? That it was is like, so yeah, random. It started with the theme song. But what's the theme apparently. song? Apparently. Like, cat dog or whatever. Oh, like yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, he said, like, it started with the theme song. He might have even created the whole thing. He started with the theme song, and then it just went from there. It's just like, oh, the theme song is cool. Wait, Let's so create something. He created the theme song, and then the show was created yeah, around yeah. his theme kind song? Of, yeah, so he was probably yeah. just screwing around in a studio one yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Like, cat dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Cat yeah. Or whatever it is. Right. That's a. Wow. That's a cool tangent. Okay, next one. Um, how early do you like to get to the airport? I'm going to ask you this, Billy. As a dad, do you do the dad thing that you want to get to the airport six hours in advance like my father does? Um, I used to do that. I used to get there very, very early. Now, because I am TSA pre Holla. and clear Holla. and all that, that I, I tend to cut it um, pretty close now. I tend to cut No it. one's worse than Jack. <laughs> we were going. Where the fuck were we going? Uh, to Nashville. Nashville. The, our flight, I shit you not, was taking off in 30 minutes. And I'm like, where are you, babe? She's like, just leaving now. I'm like, what? And you're like, sending me cry laugh emojis. Like, chill. I'm going to be there on time. I'm like, no, you're not. Because it was literally like 40 minutes before our flight took off. Mm -hmm. And somehow... But even Jared says, so Jared got there and he's, she's like, he's like, no, we were cutting it too close. This is not well, okay. Well, Jared is like, he's like all nervous and Well, you shit. guys had I'm to like, cut, you guys fine. also had to say you were late and cut because of it. Yeah. That was because I had to check a bag. I usually will show up like 45 minutes before my flight if I'm not checking a bag because I have mm -hmm. TSA and clear too. So you literally, from the time you get there to the time you get to your gate, it's like two mm -hmm. minutes. So you're fine. Yeah. But that one, I was spending a little bit too long uh, curling my hair that morning. Right, right. <laughs> and yeah. then I forgot I had to check a bag and then we went to the wrong terminal. So <laughs> I was like having a panic attack. About yeah. It. It's so funny. I just, I don't know. Jared was freaking out too. It's, it's okay. Well, you were it just all worked out, you're didn't just, it? It did. But I was very doubtful. I was like, everyone, she's missing this flight and I really don't want her to because I'm going to be so sad. But she is. And, and then you were, then I like, hey. went to the gate and you were there. I and know. I'm like, what is happening? I was there before you. <laughs> Yeah, it's because I was at the restaurant right next to it. Yeah. But no, I'm neurotic. I'm there an hour early. I like to be... I don't like to rush. I like to like have a snack before and have a drink. Mm. I like a leisurely situation. Mm. Also, I just like to drink a lot. Okay. <laughs> next question. There you go. <laughs> if there was a world catastrophe and only a few people survived, what is your special skill to help rebuild the world? Jeez. That's a loaded uh, question. That is a loaded question. I don't know. What are my skills? I can paint houses and and figure out who killed somebody. Those are the two things. But if it's a world catastrophe, I know the well, world, the nature. This is what I would be able to do: make a schedule and a plan for everybody else to do the things, mm. and make like a, a efficient. How are we going to be a communal group? Yes. Like I would be a great uh, organizer. Overseer, organizer. I would be like a founding father of our new nation, <laughs> help with the constitution, help with the laws, help keep people in line, help motivate morale would be my thing. You're a good morale mo motivator. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what I could do? I could take that schedule, make it pretty, distribute <laughs> it, make us uniforms, make us. Yes. The, the, the apparel could, of the future, apparel of the future, all Jack Vanek brand. A hundred percent. We can all, yes, mm -hmm. I like where this is going. Me too, this is really good. Where are you jumping into this equation, Billy? Uh, I'm going to figure out. You know, he, can somebody, reach, some, he can reach the tall fruits on the trees. Yes, yes, and I'm going to figure out. If, <laughs> Fruit harvester. That's because right. Because somebody's going to kill one of you because you guys are going to be so annoying that. <laughs> that is, That's not I'm going to figure you, out who did it. Then you're going to solve our murder. Apple exactly. picker of the future. 
And, and that as well. Yes. Oh, and I also pick apples. I can't tell you, by the way, how many times that I'm in a store where somebody asked me to get something from off a, off a top shelf. What and I you, love it. But that's you what do? you're here for. Love it. Yeah. That's what I'm here. That's the only thing I'm here for. Why yeah. not? That's, that's what you should be here for. All right. Well, that's enough questions for today. This website has a lot. So I we'll love that. Favorite that guy. Yes. Yes. Uh, did we kill enough time? Yes. Uh, should we call it? I think we should call it 11 minutes and 11 minutes and 20 seconds. Beep. Beep. That show is baby. Bye. We died. <laughs>